Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have my next guest, Nikki Thibodeau, who is Senior Community Operations Manager at Shopify. Today, we talk about the Employee Resource Group, or ERG, Nikki helped build at Shopify. She shares how she built the program, how she sets expectations for her members, and how they navigate uncomfortable and difficult conversations. Welcome to the Community Corner, Nikki. It's so lovely to have you with me today. I have been really looking forward to this conversation. It's so nice to be talking to other community professionals. Well, you have an audience of community professionals today, and I think everyone's going to be really excited to hear from you. So let's dive right in. First question, can you describe what Shopify is and what exactly you do in your role? Yeah. So Shopify is, I think like the simplified version is that Shopify is a commerce platform, what we call a software as a service that allows you to sell goods and services online, in store, a pop-up market out of the back of your car, and helps you run the back end of your business. All right. And so what do you do? How does community play a role in the company? Yeah, my role is a lovely mouthful of senior community operations manager. And honestly, this is probably the first space in which I don't really have to explain what that is. But in case you don't know, within the Shopify context, my role is to enable those who work in the craft of community to move faster, better, and So basically, that means enabling them with the right strategies, the right tooling uh, to create and nurture nurture useful communities for our merchants. Awesome. And you also work on like internal communities. Like you played a really big role in building the Women's Employee Resource Group at Shopify. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, it's so interesting like when you think about your career trajectory, I think a lot of people in community accidentally hop into this this world. And I started in employee resource group, or I'm going to say ERG the rest of today. For, uh, <laughs> that <mouthful> thing. <laughs> yeah. But I started in ERG work before I was officially in community at Shopify. And when I first started, the community had kind of started. It was it existed, but beyond that, there wasn't really much going on. And so I I have played a big role in building the women's ERG at Shopify, which I've only just recently like started saying <laughs> out loud, because it's kind of a an interesting beast to have been a part of. But when you start a community like that, you really have to understand what it's for. Like, who is it for? What are you trying to accomplish with it? And I think defining who it was for was probably actually the hardest part. And I know that probably sounds funny because you're like, well, it's a women's ERG. It's for women. But honestly, the gender binary is lame, (laughs) to put it lightly. (laughs) And so the experiences of women often overlap with the experiences of those who are perceived as women, regardless of their gender. And so after like careful and and really uncomfortable conversations with women, non-binary, genderqueer, our friends in the Indigenous ERG, because we don't actually have representation of Two-Spirit and other folk, it was clear that having an ERG for marginalized genders kind of skipped a step 
we needed to create a space that was intentionally for those operating outside of the gender binary so that they could figure things out. But we hadn't really, we had been operating this women's space prior to that where the folks who were operating outside of the gender binary felt comfortable, like felt like that was their home. And in creating those separate spaces, you, you really had to have those uncomfortable conversations about how this space actually isn't for you right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I sometimes hear in the conversation and I don't know how to respond, but I often hear about, you know, by being in, how do you be inclusive without being exclusive? So how do you make a safe space for people, but you keep people out? And how do you navigate those kinds of conversations? They're so difficult. They're uncomfortable, especially in a a workplace. How do you navigate that? Yeah, I think so. There's a book called The Art of the Gathering, which likely most of us have read. And in it, something really stood out to me where Priya Parker says, in order to be able to really serve the people at the dinner table, you're going to have to exclude the people who don't belong to that dinner party. And that applies in all of our events. We want the right people to be there. And that really applies to all of our communities too. We do have to kind of tiptoe through, hey, you're you're not welcome here and get comfortable kind of being that gatekeeper for our communities because it's really important for the success of our communities that we keep those who are not going to be helpful to those conversations out of those conversations. And so a couple of years ago at Shopify, I created what we call Empower Hour, which is a bi-weekly discussion for cis and trans women, as well as non-binary folk who are comfortable in a space centered around the experiences of women. And we talk about things that are not necessarily normally talked about in the workplace. So that can be things from like periods to microaggressions to maybe being a first generation woman of color, things like that, (laughs) which are hard to navigate. Like for those who are listening, I am very much a white woman and having conversations about being a first generation woman of color is clearly not something I know anything about. But the way that you navigate engagement around those hard or uncomfortable conversations is is to create that intentional space for it. And like a space that you control, that you can make feel safe for everyone. And so in Empower Hour, I started at the beginning this thing that we say at the beginning, and I think like our regular folk could probably like recite this from memory, but essentially it's just the creation of this space before we do anything else. It's, you know, the correct way to uh, participate today is the way that feels comfortable. Cameras on, cameras off, mic on, mic off, whatever that looks like to you, that's the right way. And then at the very end, we talk about, you know, nothing leaves this space. And if you do want to tell a story regardless of, you know, removing the person's name or not, you actually need to get explicit permission from that person to share that story. And by having that space created at the very beginning, it kind of enables for real conversation to happen in a really caring way. At CMX Summit, this in 2021, Seth Godin talked about the like dinner party idea and he talked about a boat and it was like, this boat is going to this destination. 
and we're including everybody who wants to go to this destination. But if you aren't going there, then this boat isn't for you. And I like that you are like setting the expectations before people even get on the boat (laughs) to be like, well, you don't want them on the boat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want to give you free and clear permission to leave before we start because, and with no, like no negative expression here, just like if you don't agree to these terms of uh, services and conditions, like just go and that's fine. Yeah. And like you're, you might not get from this boat what you thought you were going to get from this boat. Yeah. And I think like there's that term that we all say at the end of a meeting that ends early, like, oh, I'll I'll give you this time back. You know, like, just say that. Let me give you your time back and and, (laughs) and you can go. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. So then, you know, you as a white woman talked about how you show up to conversations that, you know, you don't necessarily know anything about or you haven't experienced yourself. So what's your advice for how to lead those conversations and to not, well, when you don't really know anything about it? Yeah, I got a crash course in this over the last two years, creating a space like Empower Hour. And I have a co-facilitator now. And what we say is if the topic seems really hard and difficult, it's probably the right one. And so it's always really scary. I don't usually sleep very well the night before an Empower Hour, (laughs) to be honest. But I've learned a few things. One is uh, don't ever just do something to do it. If you're not the right person to have the conversation, step away, find the right person. There's a suggestion box basically for this. And there's a topic that's on there that I can't, neither of us can actually do ourselves. And so we're, we're going to bring in someone external to be able to have that type of conversation because it's just too hard and it's just too heavy. But I think like there are a lot of conversations that you might think are too hard and too heavy up front. But if you just get into... What's necessary here for my community to get gain value from this conversation and do it from a place of curiosity? So for me, going into a conversation about being maybe a first generation woman of color, I don't know anything about that experience. And so how does that affect? And so put some like boundary limits on this conversation. We're going to talk about it specifically from the lens of your parents' expectations, Or we're going to talk about it specifically from the lens of how that shows up in your everyday work. What Whatever the conversation confines, you can put on it where it really directs the conversation to this one space and people show up knowing what they're getting themselves into to the best of your ability before showing up, then it it enables a better conversation. And then at the top, I always say, like, I'm a kind of a jokester. I like to be like... I'm not, I'm very white. (laughs) Okay, we got that out of the way. Okay, (laughs) so now let's dive in and have this conversation. I'm in a place of curiosity. I want to create the space for this conversation. And then on the inside, I have to be really okay with saying the wrong thing. And I have to be really okay with making mistakes and being wrong. And it is uncomfortable. But I think like in terms of like in this scenario of being this involved in an employee resource group, you should be uncomfortable for a lot of the conversations because that's why you exist is to create space and and have people feel seen and heard who haven't felt seen and heard 
historically. Yeah. I like what you said about you have to be okay in your heart to be wrong or to make mistakes. And oftentimes when we're, you know, called out for being wrong, we can get defensive or emotions kind of take over and get the better of us. So do you have any guidelines in place for if someone makes a mistake or if someone's wrong? How does your group kind of navigate that? Yeah, it's so hard, especially if like you're not the one that made the mistake if someone else inside the group did, I think what, say someone else made the mistake and it was called out by an individual within the group, or it, it's obvious, I just stop everything. And I say, okay, here's what happens when we enter into these spaces and these conversations together. And I always like to have a conversation about intent versus impact. And it's having intentions isn't really doesn't really matter when it comes down to it in these spaces, at least, because I can intend all day to not hurt you, but the impact of what happened hurt you. And so if I can say, look at my intention was, but I would like to acknowledge that regardless of that intention, this was the impact. I found that in every scenario, that is diffused this the like tensions in the group of just like I get to because I, I think it's fair to get to acknowledge that it wasn't my intent, but it's also really important for me to acknowledge what what that actually impacted in you. I feel like that is just really good advice for like life. Like <laughs> <laughs> when someone says, Hey, you did this and it hurt my feelings, to say that wasn't my intent. I acknowledge the impact like that. I feel like that you just answered a lot of questions about why Twitter and TikTok <laughs> and like <laughs> all these social media platforms, you know, go into dark holes. And so then my last kind of curiosity here is about the ERG in general. So for a company to say, yes, we're going to invest in an ERG that it's hard conversations and it's uncomfortable and people lose sleep over the conversations. <laughs> what would you tell a company that didn't want an ERG or that was scared of, of implementing these kinds of programs? Yeah, the, I think like you can't, no longer can you be afraid of bringing your whole self to work or asking everyone to bring your whole self to work. I think one of the lessons we've learned during the pandemic is that we're all collectively going through something. I think we can all acknowledge that there is at least one thing <laughs> that we're all going through. And I think understanding that has made it a little bit easier. And so if you apply that to literally any other piece of things that we're quote unquote going through, whether that be navigating being a woman in the workplace or navigating being black in the workplace or 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 you can understand the need for someone else to see you in that way. And so what happens at a company that has the space to be seen, to be heard, it makes you want to come to work a lot more. It makes you comfortable with speaking up about things that aren't working that are roadblocks to you being able to perform your best. And so, for example, recently someone said something to me that wasn't great. I always come from a place where I I don't I really don't think anybody at Shopify at least does anything intentionally bad. 
but it gave me the opportunity to either say directly to that person or to find someone that I know would have had a similar experience to commiserate with. Because otherwise, that could have festered into something that made me want to leave the company because it made me so uncomfortable. And I would argue that I am a huge asset to the company and you shouldn't want me to leave. And so just in having that space for anyone going through something of that nature is going to help with retention of talent. I think this conversation is so timely because of the what the internet is calling the great resignation. Absolutely. A lot of folks are saying, oh, it's, you know, because of the COVID allowances that governments are giving people, people are lazy, they're sick of working. But I think a lot of it comes down to that company culture. We spend so much time at work, even remotely, we spend so much time in work, thinking about work, talking about work to people from work. And if the culture isn't there, and like you said, if you're not being seen and heard, then yeah, you're out of there. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And I think like that's such a good point about the great resignation. And it is definitely because you, those people who leave finally realize that that wasn't the place that ser- best served them. And it became okay to say, this isn't working for me personally, not professionally. Like it does not even necessarily have to come into play that it's not the right career move. It's like, hey, actually, it's okay to need something more for my own self. Yeah. We have no limits on the community corner except our time limit, which we've already gone over. (laughs) But this has been such a wonderful conversation, Nikki. Thank you for being so open and for talking about, honestly, a kind of an arm of community that we don't often talk about. So I do have one more question, and it's the one that I ask all my guests at the end of our episodes. Who is a community builder that you would love to grab lunch with? I'm so glad that you sent me this question beforehand, because I think (laughs) if you had asked me this question, I would have offhand said that I would love to sit down across from Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown or both, like have a dinner party with them. But in the terms and context of community, I want to sit down with Brewmate's community manager. Brewmate is a drinkware and lifestyle product company that's targeted toward adult beverages. And I remember a couple years ago, I received a brewmate for um, Christmas and they had like a little join our Facebook group card inside of the packaging. And because I love all things community and social media, I was like, sure, good branding. You got me. And I went in there and the community that is in there is would blow your mind. There are just people who post daily. They've made friendships in there, like for drinkware. And so I want to sit and like people are are posting their hauls. Like Brewmate is not is not an inexpensive product. And there are people who are now posting their hauls of their products. Anyway, I need to sit across from that guy or that girl and just figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and be like, how did you create such a identity around like a to-go mug. <laughs> there's like, there's over 50,000 people in that community. Like, wow, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. Blue the power of community. Okay, I'm going to track that person down and try to get them <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Nikki. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre. <laughs>